Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. I was what I like to do whenever whenever I speak. I always like to make a point of listening to all those sermons that have been spoke beforehand. You know, the last few weeks. So obviously the month last month, what Pastor Tony spoke on, and obviously what Phil spoke on last week. And I do that so I don't repeat myself. You've got something fresh and that kind of thing. And um, I got halfway through the first two and God went, are you more interested in what I've got to tell you to say? Or are you more concerned about saying what, not saying what the other guy said? So this morning, if you get a bit of last week and you get a bit of a few weeks ago, I've no idea because I've not listened to them. <laughs> so don't blame me, blame God. But if you hear it again, it's because guess what? You need to hear it again. All right. So, you know, the, the thing is, um, it's been Christmas. It's been New Year. But it's a new year this year, isn't it? I've been, I, I work in a bank, as many of you all know. And the thing about that is I get to serve a lot of people. I get to talk to a lot of people. And one of the things that you do as part of my job is you have a bit of a chit chat. You get to know your customers and that's called helpful banking if you... That's a key to which bank I work for. Helpful banking. And, and basically, um, as you, I'm, I'm having a chit-chat. So generally, because it's Christmas and New Year, what do you talk about? You talk about Christmas and New Year. But what I've noticed, and it, it, it started something off in my spirit, which has, has continued to now, is that there's a lot, there was a lot of negativity that I noticed. You know, yeah. Oh, so you, you know, is just spending money for Christmas. You're taking your money up for Christmas, yeah. You know, you're looking forward to Christmas. No, I'm rubbish Christmas. Or I'm working on Christmas. Or something else. It was, there, was, there was a lot of neg- now. I'm quite a, a, a positive person when it comes to Christmas. I like Christmas. You know, I think any Christian should obviously have that level because obviously it has a significance to us that it doesn't have to anybody else. But even taking away that side of it, just talking about. The fact that at Christmas, what do we do? We spend time with our family, our friends, those who we love. You know, I've got a seven-year-old. I knew it was Christmas every single day. I got the hour, the minutes, and the second countdown. And it was brilliant. I loved it. But what I found was, there comes a point where, if enough people say negative things enough times, it starts to affect you. Do you know what I mean? It starts to affect you. And you start to kind of get this almost, you find yourself going into a negative mindset about something which you're actually not going to negative about at all. But it's very easy for it to kind of come upon you. And so you then have to really try hard to then kind of counteract that which does. Otherwise, what you end up doing is kind of just agreeing with them. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, the weather's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, oh gosh, the traffic, oh gosh, you know. The sales, oh, I hate the sales, oh, you know, all the presents and it's costing me loads of money. And, oh, New Year's just a changing from one number of two to a three at the end. It's just no, you know. And you can become really mundane about it. But what I, what I realized, what, I, what, what God started to pick me up on was that at that same time, when, I, when I've been looking in the house, and when we, and funnily enough, you think about what Pastor Tony spent, what, a month talking about the power of the sustaining grace? And suddenly, in that same month, half the church are ill. 
Half the church get ill. And, and let's be honest, the illnesses that we've had this year, there's this norovirus, I've said it right, I keep calling it Novora or something like that, there's this norovirus, but even just coughs, I mean, I had, I had the flu um, in December. And the one thing I've noticed about it is normal, you get a cough or a cold, don't you? You're ill for a few days, but most of us can still go into work. You take your Lemsip, you get your Beecham's back in and you're all right, you get through, don't you? And you're, and you're back as right as rain by the end of the week. Whereas these seems to have lingered. Do you know what I mean? It lingers. And there's been a lot of things that have lingered this year uh, in these illnesses. And so therefore, people that were sort of all right, but were not back to our full selves. And what I've noticed, and what I really picked up in my spirit was that this, we have to be aware and we have to learn how to deal with this. Because if you look at it, when I was ill and I had a flu... But what I didn't do was I didn't read my Bible and I didn't pray. Why? My brain was telling me that's what I should be doing. Because, because you know, I, that's what I should be doing. But oh, I just couldn't be bothered. I felt weary. I felt a real sense of weariness. And, and you, you know you should, but you just your soul kind of takes over and says, no, just stay in bed. No, you can read it next week. No, you can do that. And what the danger is, is this, is that your body can eventually get back to its full strength, but your spirit hasn't followed. Because, you've, because we've allowed these things to happen. But also, for those of you who've not been ill, and those of you who've been, actually, I'm quite happy, Paul. I'm, I'm quite positive about, the, about the, whole, the whole thing. Is if enough people around you, oh gosh, I'm ill, oh they're ill, Uncle Johnny's ill, oh Sister Margaret's ill, and all that happens, you end up taking on the same flatness in your spirit that everyone else does even though you're not even ill and I really sensed this morning you see now one thing I'm not gonna I'm gonna put it in the microphone so everyone knows I am not in any way shape or form saying that we are under some sort of demonic attack so let's just let's just clear that one here I'm not trying to say we're under some demonic attack because many of the things that are happening happen every year it just happens with this year's a particularly bad year and this year it happens to have gone not as well as normal, if you know what I mean. And so I, wanna, I want us to come to the word. I, I, I'm reminded of the scripture that we spoke last week. It says, the one who sows to please a sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for that at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I want us to keep a hold of that for the moment. I'm gonna, we're going to go turn the pages, if you can, to 1 Samuel. Now, again, I've got to be honest with you, I didn't really want to preach from 1 Samuel. Now, you, I mean, it's been, it's been, there's quite a lot of gaps in between when I preach, but I think three of my last five sermons have been from 1 Samuel. I'm thinking, God, if I preach from this, they're going to think I only have one book in my Bible. And for like two or three days, I was like, God, I ain't, I ain't touched, because I haven't read 1 Samuel for ages. I've been reading other books. But just last week, I started, oh, go on, I'll go back to 1 Samuel. And... And then, lo and behold, the week I'm preaching, I said, God, I'm not touching it. No, because this is going to, no, I know what's going to happen. And he said, shut up and read it. So I read it, and then, boom, immediately the scripture comes out to me. So I do have more than one book in my Bible, honest. But in 1 Samuel, what I want us to see here is how easy it is, how easy it is for something that was 
so positive to turn the other way. So in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse, starting from verse 3. I'll give you a second to get there. So 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 3, and we're going to go through to verse 8. We ready? Okay, I'll start. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost. And now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join at Gilgal. You see, what happened, what, what happened last year was not, was, sorry, was not last year a fantastic year. We had some amazing testimonies, some amazing things happen in the church. I'll give you just, a, just, just three little examples that, that, that happened over the last few weeks. Was that we had Lisa who came forward and said she prayed for her unsaved sister-in-law. That a baby who had been diagnosed through three tests that had cystic fibrosis would not have cystic fibrosis. And the baby was not born well. Was born well, is it not? What an amazing testimony. We also had Michelle, who before spoke about how there'd been an illness that she'd suffered from for, for a long time in her body, but then that God miraculously healed her. And then, I, I, I wasn't in the service, but, last, but, I, but I think everyone heard because it was so good. Tenby stood up here and, and spoke about how she stood on the word of God and how cancer shall not come to her door and all her tests have come back clear. So at the end of last year, we had a triumphal procession. The trumpet was blown. We'll go into the city and we'll come in fire. We'll go in for it. And there was momentum that was built up, was there not? And we are, and, and I really sense this is going to be amazing. We're going to have a great year. And then, but you know, when you're hearing those kind of things, it's dead easy. Like if you're walking around and everyone's saying, hey, Christmas brilliant. Christmas is brilliant. Because you kind of get taken up with that. And there's proof that you see. However... If we look on in verse, from verse, uh, verse 5, we see here, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. Now does that sound like people who... Five minutes ago, we're blowing the trumpet, gathering all the forces. We're going to go and take the city. No, it doesn't. And what ha- what's so easy to happen is that if we are not careful so easily, the enemy only has to rear his head. And suddenly all those testimonies, all that faith, all that, that momentum is lost. Why? Because we suddenly see the opposition. We suddenly get intimidated by the opposition. And what I sense in my spirit, and I've been sensing, you see, these things have not come from the enemy. I don't believe that. As ever. We're not under any sort of demonic attack. However, the enemy is an opportunist. And when, you know, as Phil said last week, we, we wait into a, a, a time of prayer and fasting for Beatrice, and, and, and there's nothing's happened. In fact, both of them have got a little bit worse. And then, you know, I was, I was going to lead worship this week and then Pat rings me up and she, last Sunday she wasn't here because she had to go because her son and her, uh, his wife were 
sent down with this Nora flu. And she went to help him. Two days later, she got it. So she rings me up. Now she's gone down. And all the time I'm hearing other people, there's not, not just illness, illness is only one thing, but there's, other, you know, there's those of us who have pressures and things that weigh you down and become a burden to you. And what the enemy will try to do is will try and set up an outpost and a foothold in the camp in your life and in this house. And what that will do if we, are not, if we do not see it for what it is, is all the momentum that we've built up will suddenly stop. See, what was the reaction from some of the men, what do we see here? The, comf- the high faith and the hope and the- was turned to fear and trembling. What else do we see? And I thought this was so key when it said, it said that when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves. People, last year, there was many of you who made amazing journeys. And we came out of the cave mentality. And we came back onto the battlefield. Because remember the prophecy said, we've got to be on the battlefield. We've got to be people who are getting out there. I.e., you're in the enemy's face and they know who we are. But so easy, when, when things like this happen, our spirits can become despondent. And before we know it, we go back into the cave. We're back in. And then what then happens is, because pastor comes back next week, and, every, and then we slowly start to get back up. But what happens? Yeah, our bodies may have recovered. But if our spirits have not, we may find ourselves spending the next four, three, four months trying to get the same momentum back that we had at the end of last year. And so we waste four, five, six months of the advancement of the kingdom of God, of the assignments that you as an individual, you as families and we as a house have been given to fulfill. And we have to respond to it immediately. We have to see it happening. And we have to learn how to break it off us. Because, if we, because this is not a time where we can just go, well, it's all right, I'll get back into my own time. Do you know what I mean? You know, the doctors always say, don't you? Just take it easy, little bit by little bit by little bit. And they give you the excuse to take forever sometimes. Well, we don't have forever. We, we need, we, we, you know, God has a plan for this house now and in this year. So we have to be people who see the danger and are able to respond to the danger. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. You're with me so far. Excellent. Right. So what, what, what is our response? How are we going to respond to this this morning? If you come with me further on into the end of the chapter. Sorry, my throat just keeps drying up. Okay. Now in verse 23, we're going to go from verse 23 that immediately goes to chapter 14, then the first verse in chapter 14, so just keep reading it. It says, Now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armour, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Boses and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. Now, we stop here. What do we see? One of the things we have to do is we have to recognise when the enemy has tried to set up an outpost in our territory. The grace on this house is that we are a governing house, which means we run the borders, not them. 
But the enemy, whenever it sees a weakness, whenever it sees that there's these murmurs, that there's these kind of, there's a weariness in the camp, it will try and set up an outpost there to take hold of your weakness there. And we have to become people. See, what would, in, in the beginning of, of the scripture, it was Jonathan who attacked the first outpost. Jonathan never, even though his father, who he didn't tell, he did not tell his father why his father was stuck under a pomegranate tree, feeling sorry for himself. Because he called all the men and then they all legged it when the enemy came. And the enemy hadn't even fought. They just showed their head. They just went, hello, look at all my men. You still want to come for me? And everyone went back in the cave. But Jonathan, but Jonathan didn't. Jonathan saw immediately that is in my territory. And his spirit rose up. And so he went to find and we must recognize in our lives immediately that if if we're going through something that we know what will cause our spirits to dip what will cause our spirits to dim because again what did the scripture say if we are to sow the seed of the spirit that pleases the spirit we have to know when something's trying to get us to 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 please the soul and so and so what else do we do, do we see there was cliffs the enemy will always try and position himself above you as a source of intimidation. And, and, and all you see is to get to him, I've got to go to a cliff, so I have to look up. So again, the enemy will try and intimidate. Every, they will try and take hold of your flesh at every opportunity. Now, when you're ill, I'll be honest with you, it's quite easy. For the enemy to take, oh, I'm never going to get over this. Oh, I can't do anything. Or if you're hard pressed and you're working all the hours that the Lord sends and you've got a family to feed and you've got other things going on, things that are out of your control, it's so easy to be overwhelmed by those things and they're above you and you can't seem to rise above it because there's this cliff that I've got to get over just to even get to the outpost. Do you know what I, just, just see what I'm saying? Just see what it, it's, it's so easy to kind of just think well I'm just not feeling myself at the moment but the reality is is the moment we see that we stop advancing and we stay where we are because when you have the cave mentality well it's safe in the cave I'm not climbing up that cliff I might fall down I'm not climbing up that cliff they've got the advantage because they can just you know poke me from up from up high you know when, 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 when there was castles in, the, in, the, in you know, King George, all that kind of day, you always had the whining ones. You always wanted with the guy going down the stairs rather than the guy going up the stairs, didn't you? Because it was easier. You had the, the strategic advantage. The enemy would have you believe that he has the strategic advantage. And so therefore, try to get you just to stay where it's safe. And so what happens is even though you found a place of security to a degree, which is what Saul and, and Jonathan and, and his men had done, he wants to keep you there. And so again, the advances that God has called us to do this year can so easily desert us. However, we look here. What did John, and this, this is where there's two parts. And I probably should have told you what my what, what uh, title of my sermon was, shouldn't I really? Because it would have helped me. The, the last time I had a sermon, the last two times I've preached, I haven't had a title for my sermon. I absolutely had no, no idea what I call it. And so this time I've got two. <laughs> so just, just to make up for it. Um, the first, and just so you know, whose armour bearer are you? And I'm going to make, you'll make sense of that right now. And the other one is attack is the best form of defence. Just to put it at the top. Let's look at what it says here on, um, in verse 6. In, in Samuel chapter 4, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, 
Let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I love that. Absolutely love that. Number one, that Pastor Tony spoke in his sermons last year, that every time you choose to face what is before you, you choose destiny. Every time you choose to take a step back, you walk away from destiny. You know, when we talk about this power of this grace, the first thing, what comes before grace? The gift of faith. If we lose faith in the God that we serve, then we can never walk in the grace that he has been given to us. And then if we don't ever walk in the grace that's been given to us, how can we have hope? And how can we see the glory of God come through our lives? So the first thing Jonathan did was he, was he, he, he affirmed that whether there be few or many, there may be 3,000 chariots with 6,000 charioteers and men as numerous as the sand. But I'm not looking at that right now. I'm just looking at the outpost there that's in my territory. And I'm gunning for that outpost. You see, God doesn't call us to have to take on the entire city. He tells us to take bit by bit, ground by ground. But we have to also take responsibility for what is in our lives. We say, I'm taking back that because something's trying to get hold of me there and I'm not having it. And so therefore, he came and he called them what they were. And he said, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. But Jonathan was not alone. Because in verse 7, he says, sorry, in verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, so there was another person in here. The young armor bearer. Now I've got to be, behave myself here because he says the word young armor bearer and that gets me on a whole different track because my youth aren't in here this morning because they're not scared. I can't wait to see what they're going to do this year. Oh, but anyway, that's, that's another thing. But in verse 7, the armor bearer replied, Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. So what's the dimension here we see? Was that yes, it's important for you and I to recognise when our souls being, being you know, our spirits are, are under threat from being taken and, and flattened. And we go back into that cave mentality or we go back into maintenance mode or we go back into, I'm just going to stay where I am because it's safer or I feel really down. We have to recognise those things that press us, that try to keep us and contain us, but we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it alone because Jonathan had his armor bearer. His armor bearer came and he said, I am with you, heart and soul. Go back to when it says in Galatians, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In this house, there is a call this year where if we want to, if we want to in, ensure that the enemy does not have a foothold in any of our lives and in our camp, each of us needs an armor bearer. We have to take, in, in Galatians, just in the little bit before in Galatians, it says that, and I know where I should have put this, there it is. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. So there is a responsibility for us, like Jonathan, to not lose faith, to recognize when the enemy is trying to get into us and to go at it and to attack it and not to go back into the cave. But there's also this, that as an armor bearer, 
We don't know that if that arm bearer also felt scared. But he was with his brother, heart and soul. And he was willing to go and fight for his brother. And if we look the next, in the next, in uh, verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, his arm bearer, come up so we can teach you a lesson. The one thing is, there is an arrogance about the enemy. There is an arrogance about the enemy because there's loads of them. Because they're as numerous as the sands. And when you look in the city, you look outside your own life, how many obstacles would it appear against you? And there's an arrogance. Come on, have a go if you think you're hard enough. Because you're just, you're just weak. But that's not, that's not who we are. That's not what we are. And so in the, next, in, the next, in the next verse, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. The arrogance of the enemy will be their downfall. Because they don't know our God like we know our God. And it says in verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. So, I'm going to need an example. Phil, can you get up for a sec? Right, so I'm Jonathan, okay? I've recognized that there's something in my life that is, is keeping my spirit flat. So I'm going, I'm going over to stand and face that which is, is affecting my spirit and that which would cause me to lose momentum, okay? But I've got my armor bearer. And what did it say? Jonathan climbed up. So I physically went over. I didn't just pray in a corner. I went to the battle. I went to where it was. But I wasn't alone because I had my armor bearer with me. I had a guy looking after me. Someone who was sowing into my life things that please the Spirit, things that breathe the eternal life of God, things that allow the, the uncorruptible seed of Christ to rise up in Him so it comes into me and raises me up. So I had the strength to climb up that cliff and not only attack, but kill. And what did it say? He killed, the, he killed all the Philistines. But what was the iron bearer doing? Killing behind him. So I'm walking forward. Follow me, Phil. I, I'm following for, 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 Phil's there. And I, and I turn over this way. Where's Phil? He's over here. Where's Phil? He's over here. My armor bearer supports me and backs me up. No, you're not. You're staying here. Right. John, come here, fella. Get behind Phil. <laughs> you know, when someone, you, you, you say something in your head, don't you? And you think, yeah, let's try this. <laughs> Right, Kev, come here as well. <laughs> Get into a square, fellas. Okay, so, Phil is my armour bearer. So I have me, he's given me the confidence, and he's keeping my faith going. He's keeping me, my spirit, so I can face what I've got to face. Amen? But who's going to look after Phil? Phil's got his own armour bearer. And so Phil now has an arm bearer. So Phil has the ability. Phil is able to still, the grace is able for Phil to fight my battle and still have the strength for his battle. And now John is able to fight for Phil. But John needs his own. And so therefore, Kev, 
puts his hand onto John. And then Kev, who's going to be, I'll tell you what, I'm getting help from Phil. So I now have the strength to fight my own battle. And I now have the strength to fight Kev's battle. Who is going to come among us four men? Nothing. Why? Because we obeyed and we continued to sow that which pleases the spirit. That which God has told us to do. Thank you, fellas. We have to become, this morning, both a Jonathan and an armor bearer. And that is why when we go back to Galatians, yes, we each have our response, we each have a responsibility this morning to be a Jonathan, to recognize that though I may be hard pressed, I still have faith in the God I serve. I still have, you know, but David and Beatrice, yes, they haven't got Betty, let's just use them as an example, but we still believe in the saving grace of our God. We still believe in the healing power of our God. So we don't just see the illness and go, well, it's taken over us, so our spirits are, are now destroyed and they lose all the faith they had. No, because we can be their armor bearers. We will go to them, we will tend to them, we will keep speaking what that which pleases the spirit, the, the seed of life that is in us, the imperishable seed of Christ. We keep speaking life, we keep declaring, so when they're weak, we keep strong for them. Amen? But as a house, we must be the opportunists, as armor bearers. We see an opportunity that if someone is, is weak, that such is the faith in our own life, that we have the ability to go and strengthen somebody else. And if every single person in this house does that, if every single person is a Jonathan in their own life and takes responsibility and sees the outpost, but is willing to ask, what was Jonathan willing to do? Jonathan was willing to have the help of someone else. And this year, you will be challenged. There will be times when you will feel low. There will be times when you will be hard-pressed. But you have to be able to have that humility in your life. Say, I can go so far, but I need the help of an armor-bearer. And I'm going to need someone to back me up. And in, in, but, but also, at the same time, as an armor-bearer, we have to be people that say, you know what? doesn't matter what I've got going on in my life, because he needs me. My brother and my sister need me. And I'm willing, because such is the governing grace over this house, we have the strength to advance even when we're hard-pressed. I felt so strong. God says, just because right now we're, we're, many people are suffering doesn't mean we stop until everyone's better again and then we go. No, we keep moving forward because we need to see the glory of God move in the church. If we want to see the glory of God move in the church, we have to raise our faith level to keep it there. And then we can enter into that power of grace. And as we walk in grace together, supporting one another, then hope is continuing revitalize in the church day after day week after week there is hope in the house doesn't matter what the report says from the enemy it's what our God says that we stand on and from the hope then we can have the testimony that Lisa and Michelle and Tenby and many others of you have given where we see the glory of God flow through our lives and that is what the world needs to see if we are to become made known to, to those outside, what are we being made known for? A church that backs into the cave every time something's hard-pressed? A church that is only faithful in church and they're only, they're only, we've only got high faith when things seem to be going our way? No, no, no. Because there's a lot of people out there who do that. I've got money in the bank, everything's cool, you know, so I can, I can have hope and faith for everything. But it's those who are hard pressed that need to see a different example. That's where God 
that's where we see God. Now this is, this is, a bit, this is my favourite bit. Because I believe if we do this, then this is what God will show us. If you, if you, if you continue in Samuel 1.14, and if we go into verse 15, it says this. I'm going to take one last one. Go on. Are we there? 1 Samuel 14, verse 15. Then the panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. The enemy will not know how to deal with this kind of strength, with this kind of unity. When a church rises... To, take, to go out of their own comfort zone. That not only are we willing to stand for ourselves and for what God is doing. But we are willing, such as our grace and faith in God, that we will go and help somebody else. The enemy cannot penetrate that. And when the enemy cannot penetrate that, the ground shall shake and they shall fear. Because this is a power that they have not seen before. Because look at most of the church. Look at the ch- let, let, I'm, not that I like to, to give negatives, but look at the Church of England. They can't even decide on their own doctrine. They, they can't decide on what happens with gay priests. They can't decide what happens with women in the church. There's, there's so much infighting. How are they going to advance anywhere? If the church is completely split down the middle, the enemy can have all the arrogance it wants with them. What power is there? But when a house, when a house comes together, and takes every opportunity and refuses to be weary. And refuses to be weary. Put that in your Bible. I refuse to be weary. So much so that I stop doing good to others. And I stop sowing the seed of Christ to everyone else outside. Because if you're weary, you'll be weary in work. You'll be weary when you're with friends. You'll be weary when you're with unsafe partners and unsafe family. How, is, how are we going to take a city or to even take an outpost if we cannot be the life source of everywhere where we are? And But if we look at this, if we look, if we can overcome this obstacle church in verse 20... It says, then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Israel, the Philistines, in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So the Lord rescued Israel that day and the battle moved on beyond Ben Avon. So what do we see? When we are willing to stand and we are willing to continue to allow nothing to keep us where we are, then when what happens is those who backslid, those who went to the other side, those who have been overcome with the destructive seed of the soul, see there's a life in you and I. See there's something about us. Our refusal to be weary, our refusal to give in to the needs of the spirit and to be, intimidate, to be intimidated by the enemy will come back. Well, well, excellent, excellent. I'm glad, I'm glad you're about that. Who's got kids who aren't saved? Who's got a husband or a partner that's not saved? Who's seen people backslide? Do you want them back in the house? Do you want them back? Then that, this, this, this is what the word says, how we do it. Then those who abandon the journey will come back. Those who abandon. How many people have we seen leave the church and go to a church that's in the cave because it's easy. There's no requirement on me. I just don't want the hassle. I don't have the faith. How is, we are 
the example of faith in the house, in the church, in the streets. We must be that. And then other houses will hear. Other houses will hear. I believe, I genuinely believe that as we show the example this year, other houses, there will be other houses that will see the ping that is in here and they too will come to where we are. As we have a, we have a school of the prophets that's being made out to the city. Why will they come unless they see something they don't have? Why will anyone come if we can't offer something that they don't already have? This is our battle cry this year, church. That we must recognize what is going on in the spirit world and what is trying to keep us down. And we must be warriors in Christ this year. We must be able to do. But I believe that those who are in the cave, and you may be one of them, you may be feeling right now, you know what, I just, oh, I've just all that momentum's gone out of me. I just feel, you know, because the amount of people I've spoke to and they're just like, you know, that, you know that feeling, that sort of feeling? That is the spirit we have to fight against this year. That whatever happens, we do not stop doing good. But that with those, we take every opportunity to do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Our unity will be tested this year. But how far depends on us. How far depends on us. But I say this morning, each one of us must have the spirit of Jonathan, the tenacity of Jonathan, but we must also have the heart of an armor bearer. Where when we see someone is ill, someone is sick, someone is hard pressed, someone is low, that we have that same tenacity, that same compassion to go to them and strengthen them where they cannot strengthen themselves. Because let's be honest, we all have that in us. When I was, when I was there, had it not been for my wife kicking me up the backside, telling me, sort yourself out and go and pray. Okay, I'm pray, love. If it hadn't been for my wife speaking what she could into my life when I was low, and friends that I have and close people that I have, how, how much longer will I have stayed in, in that place? Church, we can't allow that to happen. Pastor may not be in this building, but God is still in, in this building. And whether by few or whether by many, he has the power to save. And he has the power for the sustaining power of his grace to keep on going. I'm stood here by grace. You know, I had to learn grace. I only got told last week that I was preaching. Normally I get like six or eight weeks to, to sort this out. So if it looks a bit raggedy, that's why. <laughs> but just, just, just see what goes. But I believe it's so interesting that only, what, within weeks of Pastor Tony speaking about the sustaining grace, that suddenly we're all being tested. I believe God is looking at your life because how far we can go depends on how much you're able to keep your faith at the place where you can step into that grace, remain hopeful, and see the glory of God come through this. If you're raised with me at church this morning. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information,